Well, we are on week four of 40 days of prayer. And I hope that you've been just so excited as I have been just uh, getting uh, deeper as a church family of just what prayer is all about and the impact and the change uh, that can happen when you commit your life to prayer. Now, I want us to look today specifically at a very practical message of how do you pray throughout the day? Now, in the previous weeks, we've actually used uh, a lot of verses from the Apostle Paul, who's written uh, many books of the, of the New Testament. And, and he's continuing in each of his letters to the churches saying that I, I'm praying for you. I'm always praying. I'm constantly praying. I've never stopped praying. Over and over again, it talks about the fact that uh, the Apostle Paul is such a prayer warrior. And so I thought, man, if we could just look at his life, it would be a great foundation as we talk about how to pray throughout uh, your day and how I can learn to be a better prayer warrior in my own day by looking at what Paul has to say in the book of Ephesians. If you pull out your notes and you have them, the, the verse is right there at the top. And I want to break this down as Paul breaks it down to the church. And he says that in Ephesians six eighteen, pray in the spirit. What does that mean? It really just means that I'm letting God lead me. And I don't know if you ever ex have experienced this, but, but as God just touches your heart to say, man, I should pray for that person or I need to pray in that situation. Uh, many of you know that my, my, our old offices uh, were over off of Bullard and we had a, an American ambulance that had a dispatch right in our parking lot. And my office windows and door face the street. And so every single time they pulled out of the parking lot and hit their sirens, uh, it would just uh, startle me and anybody that was in my office. And, and at, at first, when we first moved in there, it honestly, it annoyed me because it's like, oh, come on, you know, can you wait till you get a little bit farther down before you turn it on? And then I began to realize that what a great prompting that when those sirens go off, that I should take that opportunity to pray for those first responders as they're heading out, not knowing exactly what they're going to and, uh, and, and what they're going to face when they get there. And then praying for whoever it is that needed an ambulance, that they would be okay, that, that God would protect them, that he would calm like whatever the chaos is going on in that home or, or in that car accident or whatever's going on in there. And so you take that as an opportunity uh, just to stir that into pray. It goes on and says, pray in the spirit at all times. Literally, that means that there's no bad time to pray at any time. Sometimes you get woken up at two o'clock in the morning and somebody puts something on your, on your heart. Last week, our small group met and, and one of our small group members shared a story about how someone in the church just popped in their mind early, early in the morning. And they're like, what the heck? Why? I don't, I'm not even that close to this person, but she said she spent some time praying uh, for her before she went back to sleep. And the next morning she woke up and later in the day she texted her and said, hey, I don't know why God put you on my, my mind, but I just decided I just prayed for you. So I hope all is well. And they said the lady immediately called and said, you have no idea what happened in our home last night and a bunch of chaos and a bunch of things that just really needed someone to intercede and pray. So we can pray at all times of the day. Paul goes on and says, not only can I, but we can pray all the time, but with all kinds of prayers. Do you know that you can pray that depending on the emotions, depending on your circumstances, that you can pray no matter what's going on in your life. A great example of this is, is the Psalms. You go through the Psalms and you look at this, uh, each of these books and many prayers are in there that are complaining prayers. There are prayers of people crying out. There are prayers of comfort. There are prayers of praise. 
There are over 150 Psalms and it's right in the middle of your Bible. And if you need a good example of, of how to get started in prayer and how to spend time is that you open that up. It's right in the middle of the Bible and read through the Psalms. And it's, it's, it's literally prayers and songs that you can read through all that that gives you a great basis uh, for praying in all kinds of circumstances. And then it says, asking, Paul goes on, for everything that you need. Do you know that there's no subject off limits? There's certain things that maybe we're even afraid to ask. You know, as a kid, you know, there's times in which, you know, I was afraid to ask my mom and dad, fearing what they might say or fearing uh, the consequence or the disappointment. God says you can pray about anything. Anything that you're troubled about, anything that you desire, anything that you fear, whatever it is, you give it to me because I want to hear it. Asking for everything that you need and then always it says, be ready. Always be ready. That's really where we're going to focus the message here today is talking about the fact that you got to have a plan. You, you got to have a strategic plan of how are you going to plan your prayers throughout the day. Now, spontaneous prayers are great. We love spontaneous prayers, but the Bible says that you need to be also be strategic in your prayer life. You need to have a plan. Paul goes on and says, never give up. Never give up. Stop, never stop praying. You know, there's certain things that I prayed and I just, I, I pray and at the time I really wanted it or I really needed it or I was really burdened for it. But then after a couple of prayers, it, it drifted away and I literally forgot. There are other things, honestly, in, in my life that I've been praying for over 20 years. And sometimes I even shared with my wife, you know, the frustration that the prayers, you know, why isn't God answering? But it says, never stop praying that you're just being consistent. If nothing else, I don't know. God knows the plan better than I know the plan. And so he knows the desires of my heart and he knows that this is something that I continue just to give to him. I just continue to give it to him. Never giving up. And finally, he says, and always pray for all of God's people. And let's be honest. You can't do that in a two-minute prayer. To think about the people that you are blessed to do life with in your family and your friends and your church family and your pastors and people at your work and all the people that, that you have that you interact with in life. It says be praying for those people. And if your prayer life consists of praying for dinner and thanking God for the food and, and then having the, the quick prayer before you drift off to sleep, you know, of, uh, of, of thanks God for the day, you're missing on so much more that you could be impacting as you are praying for those other people that God's put on your heart. And so that's what literally I wanna look at today is how do I pray throughout the day? Now there's two different ways that we can do this and the first one is that we just keep a, a running conversation with God. Kind of like how I'm talking with, to you right now is that it's an ongoing conversation that doesn't end with in Jesus' name, amen. But it's a conversation in which that it's like, oh, man, God, you know what I'm facing right now. God, as I'm driving home and I see this beautiful sunrise and, 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 and I see the sun rising, it's like, God, God, thanks for the picture that you gave me today. Thanks for life. It's going to work and, 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 and facing your daily challenges and saying, God, give me the strength. God, give me the words that I can use to, to that would encourage and lift someone up. God, give me the, the eyes to see. God, give me the patience as I drive down Herndon. Not only now do we have bad drivers, but now we have all this road construction going on around here. And it's a continual conversation that just literally never stops. And you pray throughout the day. You're just talking to God. 
The funny thing is, is that we talk to ourselves all the time. You know, I'm constantly having conversations with myself. I'm, I'm, I'm on myself. I'm not my biggest critic. So, you know, even at times in, in, when I'm speaking, there's things that are going on in my head going, oh, you shouldn't have said that. Now, now you're going to get a connection card on that. You should have worded it differently. Or I'm having a conversation as I'm parenting and it's thinking, uh, yeah, this isn't going too well. We have conversations with ourselves all the time. Why are we not spending that time having the conversation with the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings? That's one way. Here's the other way, and that is that you schedule your time of prayer. And that's what I just want to share with you, a really simple way that you can do this. And this isn't a new idea. This has been happening since the beginning of time. And in fact, uh, the Jews of the Old Testament, they scheduled their prayer times. The Bible tells us in Daniel that he kneeled to pray three times a day, morning, noon, and night. They were scheduled specific times that they took a break to spend time with God. And when the Roman Empire took over the known world at the time, they would come into a city and they would build a forum in that city. And in that, in that city and in that forum, they would always build a, a bell tower. And in that bell tower, it would just ring in specific times a day. Multiple times a day, it would, it would start. It started at 6 a.m. And literally, as the bell rang at 6 a.m., it was called the prime hour or the first hour. And it meant that work now had started in the city. It's time to get up. Things are moving. And then throughout the day, another three hours, the bell would ring. And it meant something significant. And then it would ring another three hours. You've read in the Bible about when Jesus hung on the cross in the Gospels. And, and when it says that he hung there on the sixth hour. In the afternoon at noontime. See, what they're doing is they're using the Roman legion terms describing those times that was based on the bell of a specific time that they would do different things. Now, everybody could hear these bells, and the Romans were using this for hundreds of years, and so the Jews and the Christians, they, thought, they had a great idea of just saying, why don't we just take that Roman system and apply it to our prayer life? And so when the, prayer, when the bells would ring every three hours, that was, that was notice for the Jews and for the Christians to stop whatever they're doing to spend time in prayer and reflection. And they developed that habit of praying every time the bells rang. Well, over time, the monks saw this and they began implementing this into their own, into their own monasteries. And they had their own bell tower in which every three hours someone would ring the bell, which was a, a call to all the monks and people in the monastery to sp stop and spend time in prayer. And then somewhere in the 1400s, amongst, they began to start thinking, man, we always have to have someone ready at that exact time. What if we built a mechanical instrument that would ring the bells on schedule? And so the Latin word for bell is a word that you're very familiar with, and that's clock. And so they would know how to tell time in the mechanical clock where it's invented for prayer. Now we have these nice fancy watches and we have them across our, in our house. We have them on the dashboard. And so the next time you see and you look at a clock, we're probably looking at a clock right now going, I wonder how much time he still has until he's done. It's a great reminder to, to that that was invented as a reminder for us for prayer. To spend some time connecting with God and creating that habit. And so I want you to, I want to use this outline to walk you through a method that we can use to help create this habit of praying throughout the day. 
Now we get this from the greatest teacher, a much better teacher than me, the master teacher, Jesus himself, when he was asked, how then should we pray? And Jesus gave this answer, and we know it today as the Lord's Prayer in Scripture. I heard a story of a man who encountered a bit of trouble while flying his little airplane, and he called the control tower, and, uh, and he said, the pilot to tower, I'm 300 miles from the airport, I'm 600 feet above ground, and I'm out of fuel, and I'm descending rapidly. Please advise. Over. Immediately, he heard tower to pilot. Repeat after me, our Father who art in heaven. Okay, that's a Steve Williams joke. Pastor Steve, I'm sorry, I, I, did, I didn't nail that for you. But the reality is when we talk about the Lord's Prayer, a lot of us think about the reciting the Lord's Prayer over and over again, and yet we don't look at the deeper meaning and the method that Jesus was trying to teach his disciples and the church and you and I today. That this is a method that we do. When Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer, he didn't say that you should pray like, you should pray this, he said that you should pray like this. And so I want you, I want to show you that using these seven phrases in the Lord's Prayer that we can remember how we can have a continual conversation of talking with God every single day. Now the first one is right away when we wake up in the morning. Before our, before our feet hit the ground, if you're taking notes, you wanna write this one down. Number one is that you get up with gratitude. You get up with gratitude. That's how you start your day. Pastor Kevin touched this last week, but it definitely bears repeating because often we struggle when it comes to being grateful, to having a heart and a spirit of gratitude. Because we think about, you know, whether we go to bed with the news on or we wake up with the news or we're listening to the radio or we get up and, and, and we have life circumstances and, and the struggles that we're facing that we know that's coming in the day. And so now we're caught up in that emotion and we forget that we get to choose our attitude as we start our day. We have a choice and how we're going to get up. Someone asked me once, do you get up grumpy? And I go, you know, I let her sleep. Now, my wife's here, and so, you know, she's, she's going to give me an earful afterwards. But, but the reality is, oftentimes, many of us get up and we're, we get up grumpy. That's our, that's our attitude. Or we get up griping. Or we get up groaning. Or grumbling. Or growling. Some of us get up just grunting. Until we have that first cup of coffee, you know, it's just, a, it's just a grunt that comes out. And so now you can elbow the person sitting next to you if uh, it's someone that, that, that you uh, know and that's how they get up every morning. But the question is this, how often do you get up with gratitude in your heart for what you have? Why not start every morning thinking about what God has given and what you have to be thankful for and focusing on God's goodness Look at Matthew chapter six, verse eight and nine. It's this how we start the Lord's prayer. And he says, your father knows what you need even before you ask. And so then this is how you should pray. Our father in heaven. You start thinking about God and his goodness. I love the song. He's a good, good father. But it's more than just words to a song that was written that we sing on a Sunday morning. 
It should be about our life and our, and our heart. It should, it should be exploding, thinking about the things that are so good. Thinking about the fact that you just got up from a bed and that you have a roof over your head. Nothing made me appreciate indoor plumbing than my first mission trips to, to Kenya. And I was told to walk a far distance away from the house where there was a shed, there's a hole in the ground, and that's where you took care of business. Morning, noon, night, there's no lights, there's no, there's no lights, there's no fan, there's no nothing. And I just remember, gosh, I, I have two bathrooms in my house. I have plumbing. So many things that we take for granted that we should be grateful for. James 1.17 reminds us that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. God has blessed you and he's blessed me with so much. Do we take time to start our day with gratitude? So I get up with gratitude and then I move to the second thing and I say, number two is that you bless God's name at breakfast. Some of you are probably saying, well, I don't eat breakfast in the morning. The principle is, is that once you get up and you start your morning as you're getting dressed, maybe brushing your teeth or combing your hair, showering, you begin to bless his name at breakfast. Our father in heaven, he goes on, he says the number two, hallowed be your name. Literally that word hallowed, it means holy, adoration. We adore you, God. We praise you, God, for who you are. I'm gonna praise your name. I love Psalm 145 too. It says, every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. What an incredible reminder. I circle the word every day. Not just on Sundays, once a week, but daily that we're praising him for who he is in our life. Again, if you read through the book of Psalms, it mentions about 80 times Bless the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give thanks to the name of the Lord. Exalt the name of the Lord. So you might ask, well, what's a big, na- what's a big deal about God's name? Well, the, his name really is more about his character and who he is. Your name is really who you are. What God says is that when I've made a promise to you, and in, in the scripture there's over 7,000 promises that he makes to us, that you can count on it. I'm consistent. You can depend upon me. I have integrity in what I say and who I am. In Psalms, God's name is praised over and over because of his name is his character. Now the Bible, in the Bible times, you know, names meant something. When a parent gave a name, nowadays, you know, people give names because they're cute names or they're names that are, are, are kind of different or that they haven't heard. Um, and there's different reasons, but they don't have that same meaning as scripture. I, I remember, you know, my firstborn is named Trent. And the reason behind that, I don't even know what the word literally means, but it was a name that I liked when I was in kindergarten and first grade because I had a friend named Trent that moved away. And I wanted to change my name to Trent. And so it was always a thing between my wife and I that my first boy is going to need named Trent. But in Bible times, they were given a name because it meant something for their character of who they are. For instance, Jacob means swindler. I have a nephew named Jacob. He's not a swindler. I don't think his parents named him that for a reason, but if you know Jacob in the Bible, it makes sense that it has a purpose and a name. The Bible 
did you know there are about a hundred names in the Greek and the Hebrew for God? A hundred. Why so many? Because each name is actually like a title. It's, it's, it represents a character quality of who God is. And so I put a couple of them on your outline that you're going to see there. And so the first one that you see up there is that God says that I am Abba. Pastor Steve talked about this a couple weeks ago. I'm your loving father. Abba means daddy, or papa. The next one is, is El Dia, which means I'm the God who knows you. I know everything about you. And so those things that you're carrying around that you just feel like you can't share with anyone, that's your God because he already knows what's going on in your life. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals you. Some of us today, we need spiritual healing. We need physical healing. We need emotional healing. And so we should be calling out to, to Jehovah Rapha, I need your healing. El Shaddai, God Almighty, meaning that he is almighty, all-powerful. You don't need to rely on your own strength because he has the strength for whatever you're facing and whatever you're dealing with. Jehovah Jireh, I'm the God who provides for you. Yahweh Shalom, I'm the God of peace. Here's the point. All prayer is based literally on how much that you know about God. And so for these, these, these names to, to take meaning in your life, it's how well do you know God? Is he your Jehovah Jireh? Is he your Abba Father? The more that you know God, the more confident you're going to be in who God is and the promises that he's made to you. So now you started your morning, you're off to work or you're off to start your day and there's feeling number three is that I got to remember mid-morning what matters most what matters most do you ever find when you go to work and and you and you start and it's just like the day gets away from you you had a plan and then you got to work and as soon as you walked in it just blew up in front of you and all the crisis and all the things that are going on and 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 so the day quickly gets away from us it doesn't take long, and so we should stop mid-morning and just pray. It's, so, it's healthy to create a habit that sometimes in the middle of that morning, you just take a deep breath, and you take a pause, and you say, okay, God, what matters most? God, I, I need the big picture right now because I'm, I'm wandering a little bit. I'm down in the weeds. I, I, can't, I can't see the forest through the trees. So I need to know what matters most. That's when we come to the third phrase in, in Matthew in chapter six, verse 10, it says, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where God's kingdom come, God's will is done. Do you see that? Where God's will is done, God's kingdom comes. He's saying, God, I want your agenda, not my own. How many times do you say that prayer? God, it's not about me. It's not about the plans that I've made, but God, I want your agenda. I want your plans. I want your ways. In every area of life, your kingdom come. God, every area of your life, your will be done. Why? Because it's better than your way. It's better than my way. His way is always better. 
And so I remember what matters most. And then I begin to align myself this mid-morning with God's purposes and God's plan for my life. God, God I'm, I'm getting off here. I need to come back. A great promise in the Bible. Matthew 6, it says, if you seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, if we, search, if we seek first his plan, his purpose, his agenda, his will for our life, it says, then all the other things are gonna be given to you. So you say, I don't have enough time. Well, I'd say, put God's agenda first. Well, I don't have enough money. Put God's agenda first. Put God's agenda first and see how that changes your day. See how that changes your priorities. Well, about now we're all hungry and so it's lunchtime. And so you've already, you've already had these three different conversations with God. Again, they don't have to be long. It could be one minute. It could be three minutes. It could be five minutes. There's no set time. It's you taking this, the, the time of, of pulling back and connecting with him. And so you've done that now three times. And so the fourth one is around lunchtime. You write this down is that at lunchtime, I list my needs. What are the needs that I have? Unfortunately, for far too many of us, this is where we start. God, are you there? I need you. God, are you listening? Hello, God. You see these, these things? I got a whole list. I got a list. It's almost like a Christmas list. Of all the things that I need, all the things that I want. Again, if you're doing number three and you're seeking his plan and his purpose and his agenda for your life, it changes your needs. And so then when you say, I list your needs, God says, what do you need? First, you, you seek the kingdom of God. Now everything else to be given to you. What do you need? And so at lunchtime is a, is a great time to, to be listing your needs because many of the times maybe you're eating a sandwich or maybe you're eating an In-N-Out burger and so the buns, and so literally it can, it can take you back to the next thing that it represents in the fourth phrase of the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. As I'm eating, bread represents anything that we need. Taking care of those things that God gives me what I need for today Another great example of this is, is, is how God fed the Israelites as they were in the wilderness after fleeing Egypt and Moses is leading them. There's about 2 million of them and they're grumbling and they're always complaining and they're this and they're that. And God began to provide them manna from above every single day. Now he didn't give them manna for a week. He didn't go to the grocery store and, and, and load it up so that they can store it because it would just rot. It would go bad. But the bigger and the more important reason why is because he wanted to continue to teach the Israelites to rely every single day to wake up knowing that God's going to provide the needs that I have for today. And it's in the form of manna, in the form of bread. And so God gave me enough strength yesterday, but guess what? Today, I know I'm going to have a conflict. I know I'm going to have a hard conversation. God, I need your strength today. Thank you for yesterday, but God, I need it again today. And to know that I can ask for anything that I need. And I don't have to be embarrassed about it. Because God already knows our hearts and he knows our wants. But sometimes he's just waiting for us to ask. God, I need a new car. 
Sometimes we're just afraid to ask. See, in our minds, oftentimes, you know what I try to do, and, and maybe you're better than me at this, but then I begin to figure out how can I get a car? How, how can I make the payments get where I can afford? And, and how can I get a car? It's a specific car because I want the tricked out rims. I want the nice stereo system. And I got it all planned out. And so I'm manipulating our finances and I'm trying to you know, do this and that so that I can get what I, what, what I want. There's nothing wrong with asking. In fact, in John 14, 13 says, you ask not, if you, ask, you can ask for anything in my name. So there's nothing wrong with asking, but the reality is that, that maybe I don't get all those things, but by asking him, he's making a way that he's gonna provide a car that's going to have rims and four tires. It's gonna have a radio, and it's gonna most importantly get me from point A to point B. And he's taking care of my needs. And so we need to be dependent upon him and asking him for that. The other thing that you can do in this lunch hour is to ask for other people and their needs. What are those things that they need? You have friends and family that, that, that need something? You're praying for other people. See, when you pray for yourself, it's called petition. But when you're praying for others, and we've talked about this in the previous weeks, it's called intercession. You're interceding on others' behalf. And so at lunchtime, it's a good time to do both. Now, by the afternoon, if you're anything like me and can relate anything to, to my daily uh, sinfulness, my, my humanistic tendencies and way of life, the afternoon is a great time to take a break from whatever you're doing, whether you're at work or you're at home or, or whatever's going on, and you take the time and you, and you do Number five, if you want to write this down, is that I ask for forgiveness in the afternoon. And enough times go, gone by that I know that there's things that I've said, there's things that I've thought, there, there's things that, that I've done that I really need to spend some time just confessing and connecting with God. Lord, is there anything in my life that I need to clean out? Is there any sin in my life? You know, in our, our past offices, we, we only had a bathroom that was outside our office and around the corner. And there were times in which I knew that my attitude was not right when I had said something that maybe I shouldn't have said or, 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 or thought things that, that I shouldn't have been thinking. And so there's a time in which I just excused myself and, and just would go to the bathroom on the way out. I'd be like, God, I screwed up again. I'm sorry. Forgive me. God, I need to change my attitude. I need to change my perspective. The new office is the bathrooms are right outside my door, so um, I better uh, make that a different, a different plan than, than using that a, as my time. But here, get this. God, here's the point. I don't want to carry this garbage around the rest of the day. You know, taking the garbage out doesn't take a long time, but it keeps your house from stinking. And so what in your life do you need to take the garbage out and you need to give it to God? And ask for his forgiveness. That's the fifth statement of the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 12. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. In confession, I own, I own up to my own wrong reactions. I admit my sins. And while I'm at it, I forgive those people that I've been offended by or that have hurt me because as you and I both know, the resentment and the bitterness that I hold of unforgiveness is hurting me probably way more than it's hurting that other person. So I don't want to walk around with that. God, if I have those feelings towards somebody, God, I, I ask for your forgiveness. I want to give that to you. 
Psalm 32, five says, I confess my sins to you. And didn't stop trying to hide my guilt. And guess what? You forgave me. I mean, that is so freeing. Such great house cleaning that, God, is there any sin? Is there any attitude? Is there any action that I need to come clean about? And then we come to the sixth prayer time. And that's about the late afternoon or early evening when you're headed home. And this is a great time to pray this prayer and have this conversation with God before you enter your home. Maybe in your driveway, maybe on the way home, maybe it's just at the front door, but you take that time and you ask God, this is number six, to help me make wise decisions. God, protect me from making dumb choices and saying dumb things that I'm going to regret, that's gonna be hurtful. You need to be aware that at the end of the day, when you go home, that is the most prime time for you to have an argument and a disagreement in your household. Why is that? Well, the blood sugar's low. You're tired. You potentially didn't have a great day, and so you're carrying all that stuff, and you're coming home, and then you explode, and you blow up on your husband or your wife or your kids or your roommates. And so you spend that time just before you walk in and say, God, forgive Not only forgive me, but then help me make wise choices because I don't want to hurt other people. I don't want to be that way. Number six, the Lord's Prayer says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, I don't know about you. You're probably different than me, but I got to tell you, my worst temptation comes at night. It comes in the, in the evening time and, and, it, and it centers around two things in my life that, that are very demonic that are in my home. The first one is a television and the second one is a refrigerator. Because I come home and I can be, I can eat healthy all day. I can eat clean. I, I, can, I can have a plan and plan it out. And then I get home and the refrigerator and the pantry begins to call me. And all of a sudden I forget about trying to be healthy just give me that Oreo cookie and big glass of milk. And then because of the day, I just want to escape. It's just like, I want to sit down. I want to watch a game. I want to tune out my kids. I want to tune out my wife. I just want to veg and stare at the screen and be numb. And it's because I'm tired and I'm weak and I'm lazy. And Satan knows all those things about me. And so asking him to help me to make wise decisions before I even put myself in that situation is, is gonna be an incredible help. Lord, lead me not into, into temptation, but deliver me from evil. And then number seven, I end my day with an encouraging truth. That's a benediction. It's a good word. As you close out your days, you're getting ready for bed and it's been a long day. It's like, God, uh, we've connected six times. This is our seventh time connected, connecting. And so I want to end my day with an encouraging word. I want to read your scripture. I want to read your promises. I want to read your Psalms. I want to read what you have to say to me. I want to meditate on who you are, how much you love me. Matthew 6, 13 says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you think on that verse 
And if you live out that verse and what that verse means to you, can I just tell you this? You should sleep much better at night. Because in just this verse alone, there's two incredible truths in there that should help you have a good restful night's sleep as you think about God and who he is. The first one is this, is that God is in control. He's in control. It's not your boss. It's not the politicians. It's God. He's in control. And the second thing is as a child of God, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I can claim the fact that at the end, God and his family, they win. Forever and ever, they win. I don't have to worry about what's going on here and and the, and the political crisis that's going on and all the stuff that we get wrapped up with because I know no matter how it goes today, tomorrow, and four years from now and eight years from now, I've read the back of the book and it says that we win forever and ever. So the Lord's Prayer It's not a ritual that we pray, but it's a great model of how to walk with God. How to spend time multiple times a day. Again, it doesn't have to be long. One minute, two minutes, five minutes of just connecting with God on these different areas that Jesus showed us in the Lord's Prayer. And by doing this, we will worry less. By doing this, we will have more peace by living this out and this becoming a habit, we will, we will have more confidence in our relationship and our walk with Christ. We will have more, more peace in all the world's interactions and things that are going on. My attitude's gonna be better and I'm gonna be closer to God in my walk. And that's gonna grow. And that's my prayer for you today. Bow with me in prayer. Father God, I thank you I thank you that that Jesus gave us this model, this method of how we can walk daily with you no matter what the circumstances we face, no matter what's going on in our life, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's ugly, whether it's crisis, whether whether it's an amazing day or our worst day, God, you are there and you wanna hear and you wanna have a relationship with us. And so God, in those areas, Help us to be able to turn that over to you. God, help us to make those changes that you know through this message that you, your word says it does not return void. And so you have touched something in every single one of us that you just want us to pay attention to. God, give us the courage to pay attention to that so that we can walk differently, so we can draw closer to you every single day. God, we love you and we thank you and we praise you in your son's holy and precious name. Amen.